the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. It's so good to have you with us today. Uh, And I am thrilled to be joined by Adam Holtz. Adam is the director of Plugged In, which is uh, an arm or a ministry of focus on the family. He's the director of culture and media focus on the family. Adam, how are you doing today? Brian, I'm great. How are you? Doing really good. Doing really well. Glad to have you with us. We're going to keep you for extra long today because we want to eventually get to the Academy Award nominations, particularly got kids. So I want to watch some movies. What's good. But I want to spend the first part of our time, at least talking about screen time. Uh, yeah. you, you've got, you've done some work on, on a screen detox. And I just read, uh, you sent us over some stuff and I couldn't believe this stat that the average time people in the United States look at a screen each day is over seven hours. Uh, so first of all, after I get beyond kind of the amazement of that, uh, and before we get to a detox, what's the result of being on the screen so long, so much? Well, I think at the most basic level, we need to talk about what's going on with brain chemistry, that Mm -hmm. when we interact with a screen all the time, there may be behavioral things and it may be affecting our beliefs, but it's actually affecting our biology. Uh, There's a little chemical in our brain that's pretty important, a neurotransmitter called dopamine. And dopamine is is like we can... I'm... I'm shortening it up a little bit, but in layman's terms, it's sort of like the the thing that's released in our brain when we experience something pleasurable. Uh, And dopamine is released in anticipation of doing that. So when you pick up your phone, whatever you interact with on your phone, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, social media, news, you know, if you're my wife, you're watching Corgi videos on Instagram, um, whatever you think, your brain is kind of like a kid who sees his parent coming toward him with a piece of candy. It's like, oh, this is going to mm. I can't wait for this. And yeah. actually, our brains get habituated to wanting that little burst of dopamine. And so there really is an addictive quality to screen time because our brains, and I, the other thing I would liken it to is it's kind of like cotton candy, Right. And a little bit of cotton candy at the fair once a year is probably fine. But if it's your constant diet, um, your brain gets hooked on that. Um, And obviously, there are different things that we can look at online. It's not that it's all bad, but there is something biochemical happening. In his book, The Shallows uh, by Nicholas Carr, um, he sort of looks at what do we know about how screens influence the brain And he talks about a Chinese study in which they took a number of people who had never had screen time exposure on the internet before. They took an MRI of their brains. They put them on the internet for four hours a day for two weeks and took another MRI. 
And after two weeks, their brain structure was visibly different. So I think at the most basic level, that's our starting point that we're, Mm -hmm. we're really conditioning our brains to want more of it, which is why that screen time is so much. Yeah. Yeah. And so you speak of a screen detox, which, you know, it's the beginning of the year. So this is the time we, we try to lose some weight. We try to get our arms around our screen time. We try to, whatever else it might be, uh, unpack kind of at a big view. What would a screen detox in your opinion even look like? Well, I think that the weight loss comparison is an apt one because when we're talking about screens, we're talking about an appetite. And Mm. as a dad, uh, my kids are 13, 15 and 17. I sometimes want to approach problems in an all or nothing way. And so it's like, we're going to get rid of all these screens, you know, (laughs) to go to the shed and get the biggest ax. And I want to chop down the tree with one fell swoop. It doesn't work. That's Mm -hmm. a setup for failure. Just like if you've ever tried to lose weight or budgeting, two things that most of us hate, but we recognize they pay important dividends for us in the long run. We've got to break down a screen detox into bite-sized chunks. And so at the most basic level, I think that we want to say, what's a place where we can change our family's habits Mm. in a concrete way where we can get a win, right? And it can be really simple. We can start with no phones at the dinner table or Mm -hmm. one night a week. I have a friend who does tech-free Tuesday. His kids hated it at first, but on Tuesday nights, they all put their phones away and they play games and they're together mm. as a family. And now he says they can't wait for Tech Free Tuesday. Mm. They've replaced that sort of mindless consumption with something that's active and engaging. And I think that's one of the other things that we have to realize is that all of the companies producing content for our phones, their goal is to get us hooked. That's right. You know, the, the algorithm, which is just a fancy word for a program. It sends us stuff that it knows we're interested in based on what we've looked at before. And so anytime you're talking about a detox, it really is that. We have to put our phones down long enough to recognize that we're kind of hooked on it. But making some of those small changes and getting wins there enables us to make a lifestyle change overall. Yeah. Uh, Something you mentioned earlier that I found interesting, how do we talk to our kids about this? How do we involve them in the converse? Cause I know if I went home, my kids are teenagers. If I went home and said, Hey, no more phones uh, on this day or the we're up for a fight, which it might be a fight worth having, but how might you be able to bring your kids along to be part of the conversation and the, whatever decisions are made? Well, I think instead of, of talking about it in terms of deprivation, like if we approach it psychologically as, we're taking this away from you because we think it's bad for you. Mm. Yeah, that's a setup for a fight. But with my kids, I have tried to approach it as, okay, so you just spent 45 minutes on TikTok. Do you feel like when you got done with that, that that was time well spent? Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't think, and, and the problem with these videos, especially short form video, and we pick on TikTok, but pick your platform. It's on Facebook, it's on Instagram, it's on YouTube, it's on, it's on all of them. They all suck you in and you never just watch one video. Mm -hmm. You you look up and 35 minutes has gone by. And it's not even that you're necessarily looking at something that is particularly problematic, but it's all that cotton candy again. And so we've tried to ask the question, how can we spend our time in a way that 
we're we're being intentional for one thing, but we're investing that time. And so, yeah. you know, what can we swap it out for? So we have tried to have reading nights and at different times we've even had reading challenges in the summer, mm. you know, to sweeten the pot every hundred pages you read, we're going to give you a buck or two bucks. And, you know, is paying kids to read a parental principle you should, you know, emulate? Maybe, maybe not, but, <laughs> um, but it's also about motivation. You know, yeah, what right. are they getting out of it? And I think that if you give, especially by the time your kids are teens, giving them some agency um, is helpful and also inviting them to tell you the harsh truth. Yeah. How, how do you see me as a parent interacting with my screens? How does that make you feel? What changes do I need to make? Then it's a two-way street because, frankly, right. most parents don't have this any more under control than their kids do. So <laughs> That's always know, the hard part for me. Them. That's always the hard part for me. I'm like, I would really like my kids to be less on their phone, but then I need to be less on my phone. <laughs> and that's, that becomes the difficulty. Uh, here, let's end this part with this. Someone goes, okay, I love it. I hear it. What's step one? Is it, what's the easiest one? No, no phone at dinner, no phone before bed. What would you encourage people step one, like the first step? I think no phone at dinner is, is great. And, and a corollary is have dinner. Right. I mean, we're so busy. <laughs> Valid. And yes. my three kids are going three different directions, but there's a lot of research that shows just having dinner together protects against all sorts of really negative outcomes. But we're going to carve out a space where we're present with each other relationally. So I think that's a great one to start with. And there's a lot of research that shows why phones in the bedrooms are not good at night. Right. You know, notifications wake people up. Kids may be looking at things they shouldn't be. Or they may just be on TikTok till one in the morning, right? And, <laughs> yes. Um, so I think no phones at the dinner table and bringing phones out of the bedroom at night would be two really great concrete pl concrete places to start. Amen. So I'd encourage people out there, a, a screen detox to start the year. What would that look like? Baby steps. Take some baby steps and go, all right, we're going to keep Adam with us. He's also our resident movie guy through Plugged In. So just want to ask him about what are the family-friendly movies out there, particularly around the Academy Awards. We're going to try to find you some movies to watch as a family next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. And we're thrilled to be joined for a second segment by Adam Holtz, the director of Plugged In. Uh, I'd encourage if you missed the first part where Adam just had great stuff to say about what does a screen detox look like? What does too much screen do to us, to our kids, to our families? And how can you start the year with a bit of a detox? I'd encourage you to go check that out. But Adam, one of your uh, things also is movies. So yep. uh, was it just today or yesterday? I forget yeah. what day the Academy Award nominations came out. Uh, who do you think is going to win? Any big surprises? And then we'll dive into to some more family questions. No, I don't think there's any big surprises. I mean, Oppenheimer uh, by Christopher Nolan had the most nominations. And obviously uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie came out at the same time. Barbie was also nominated for Best Picture uh, and was the biggest movie last year. And mm -hmm. so I would be shocked if one of those didn't win. Um, but the Academy Awards is a weird thing. And they're often, they are. Yes. you know, under the radar movies that... Um, that end up grabbing people's attention um, and grabbing the voters' attention. I think there's something like 6,000 people who are a part of 
of the economy. Mm. So it's a lot of people who are voting here, and it's very political. You know, if you've ever been to Hollywood during awards season, there's billboards everywhere. Is that right? You know, for your consideration, you know, trying to influence the voters. But those are the two, uh, I think, front runners pretty much across the board in terms of yep. the Best Picture nomination. Yeah, we all remember back in the summer, what was they calling it? Barbenheimer at the time when people would go see both of them. Uh, plugged in, you guys do a lot of work with families. So you want to be able to point people to what can be seen. So Academy Award ones can be tough, but are there any that are listed in like the best picture who are getting a lot of buzz that maybe would be good for families to sit around and thinking specifically about Barbie and others, but just in general, maybe the movie's getting the buzz that would be good for families. You know, there's not much on this list this year that is going to check the family-friendly box. Most of them are R-rated. Most of them are going to have content that isn't family-friendly. I think, unfortunately, Oppenheimer would have been a really terrific movie to watch because of, you know, the historical story it tells about Robert Oppenheimer and, the you know, as the father of the atomic bomb. But they chose to put some really explicit content in. And right. That, I think it, you know, it's the kind of movie that without those scenes, I could definitely see families watching and talking about, but that, that absolutely pushes it out of bounds. I think the only one on this list is the one you just mentioned, and that's Barbie. And Hmm. Barbie obviously got a tremendous amount of publicity in terms of the themes of feminism, of the ideas Hmm. that it talks about Um, as, as a guy, as a dad there were a lot of things that pushed my buttons in this movie. Um, mm. I felt like it, it really, I don't know. It, it's a satire. And I felt like the depiction of men was very two dimensional. Now, I having said that if you can set aside that gag reflex, I think <laughs> it's a movie that you could have some really terrific conversations about, but I think you would have to be intentional about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things I want to mention is that each year we do the Plugged In Movie Awards. Here. Yeah, tell us about it. And we have four categories, best movies for teens, for kids, uh, for parents, for adults, and best Christian movie. Uh, and we have just started our process. And over the next month or so, we're going to be rolling out those nominations at PluggedIn.com. I don't have um, the actual release dates for the nominations right in front of me, but Keep checking back to our blog because we'll give you five movies in each of those categories that you can consider. And then in early March, we'll pick our winner in each of those categories. That's awesome. So a lot of family-friendly options there. Do any, to put you on the spot, like not necessarily that a win, that a win or whatever, but do any, within the last couple months, family-friendly movies stick out to you? Like that was such a great one. I watched that with my family or that's a good one that people might go, oh, I haven't seen that one. Maybe we'll check that one out at our next family night. You know, that is a terrific question that always stops me cold. It's hard, isn't it? It really is. It is hard because we review so much and I need to have it like engraved Sure. Here's sure. movies to talk about. Um, but um, I will say I really appreciated um, – I really liked the Chosen Christmas special this year. I think it was called mm-hmm. The Chosen Christmas uh, Silent Night. Um, I think in the last year I enjoyed a lot Jesus Revolution, which mm-hmm. tells the story of of the Jesus people in the early 70s. Um I think as I look at some of the other things that we had talked about, uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which came out last summer, mm-hmm. was um, 
a pretty enjoyable movie. I mean, the issue that we're dealing with so much of the time these days at Plugged In is that even movies for kids have a lot of agenda stuff shoehorned into them. And so one of the things we do is try to identify the movies that uh, may not have that uh, and, and definitely making you aware of that. So that's one step right there. What uh, on a much bigger scale? I would ask you. I, like I said, I've got a twenty-year-old, a sixteen-year-old, and a fourteen-year-old. But so maybe my stage, or maybe a little bit younger than that. What's your advice, just to parents, of how to figure out? Because sometimes I find myself going, "Well, it's R, but why is it R? Oh, it's PG thirteen, but why is it? And I don't even know if that's the right way to think about it. Maybe what do you do, and what do you encourage parents to do as they even try to decide movie to movie? You know, I think that a couple of things, it's going to vary from family to family. And even if you have multiple kids, they have different sensitivities. Mm-hmm. Uh, my youngest daughter, when she sees something, she processes it per- personally and says, is that going to happen to us? Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a dog's purpose a few years ago. And I thought the issue we were going to have to navigate was the fact that this dog keeps getting reincarnated. But there's a house that burns down. And after the movie, my daughter came out and she was really quiet. I'm like, Maggie, were you sad about the dog dying over and over. She's like, no, is our house going to burn down? Oh, like, wow. Processing. So we have to know our kids. And I think that we want to move from being really protective and, and working hard to make sure that they don't see things that are, are age inappropriate. But as they move into their teen years, I think we give them more freedom to make choices. We talk to mm-hmm. them about it. We stay engaged and we begin to ask them deeper questions so that when they leave our homes, they have had practice thinking biblically and critically. Um, and so with my 17-year-old, there have been some R-rated movies that we're seeing now that we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that we don't want to try to keep them hermetically sealed till they're 18 and they leave home and they've never had any right. practice thinking about that stuff. Yep. And then they go off and they do their thing <laughs> for sure. For sure. Adam, this has been really good. Where can people connect? They might want to vote on those things you were talking about before at the blog or also yep. just where can they check out all that plugged in's doing? We are at pluggedin.com. Uh, we're a ministry of focus on the family. We also have a weekly podcast, the plugged in show.com that we would encourage people to take a listen to. And we review and talk about the philosophical and theological things that that we're encountering in entertainment today. Awesome. Again, Adam Holtz, director of Plugged In. Uh, We'd encourage you to go check them out and take for serious what we talked about before about a screen detox could be really good for you as well. Adam, great to spend some time with you today, man. Thanks for doing it. Thanks so much, Brian. Yep. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.